Uncle Justin Nib, Life, Health, and Vitality. Welcome to another I'm in Rock Church podcast. On this particular podcast, we are going to discuss the metaphysics of Noah's flood and the 72 names of Yahweh, also known as the Shem HaMefarash. So, with that being said, uh, just to segue into this topic, a lot of people like myself, we come from a religious background where, you know, it was very much drilled into us that Noah was a literal person. The flood was a literal event. There was a literal ark built to put two of every animal. And, you know, it goes on and on. You know, we are shown images and we are shown you know, depictions of, you know, this old white man named Noah. And it's it's presented to us over and over again to the point where we kind of we stop asking questions and we stop looking deeper. And the reason they don't want us to look deeper is because the story is a metaphysical story that you have to be initiated into Kabbalah to understand. So. Remember, I told you guys that the Bible is a book of alchemy, meaning that it deals with the changing of elements, changing of matter from one substance to a, a more refined, lesser substance. Now, when we think about water, everything in our body is based upon water, right? Water is the basis for our blood. Our, our brain fluid, our urine, even our tears and our saliva. It's all based on water. Water in alchemy has to do with the sexual organs. For example, when babies are born, a woman's water, quote unquote, breaks. Sperm is actually mostly water. It is an alchemical fluid that is derived from taking water from the kidneys, blood, and bones. All life needs water in some form or another to survive. However, on a metaphysical level, water is our emotional body, our emotional chakras. So that is why uh, water is the perfect metaphor in alchemy for sexual energy because we know that um, a lot of people um, when they are aroused, they create children, right? They have sex. So, you know, it's a metaphor for our emotions, but also the higher quality of it is our ability to intuit, our ability to draw information, right? To have clarity, to see things for what they are. Muddy water is a sign of unbalanced emotion water is exalted when the sun is in pisces cancer and scorpio so noah in this story in genesis represents the sun as it travels in its arc through the zodiac sign of pisces cancer and scorpio now when we look at the zodiac wheel we'll see that these three water signs are always four signs away from each other in the zodiac wheel and always between an air sign and a fire sign. 
and we will see why that is in a moment. Now, remember, remember that um, there's three sons, right? There, Noah has three sons. So these three sons are the three water signs, Pisces, Cancer, and Scorpio. Noah himself is a personification of the sun. Every major patriarch in the in the Bible is a personification of the sun. And every woman in the Bible is a personification of matter, material existence. So he represents hydrogen, water and alchemy, the ability to create by changing our emotional reaction by building our own arc and changing our thoughts from wickedness to righteousness right <clears throat> so i just wanted to show you guys here in this wheel that pisces is mutable meaning that it can be changed and we are talking about alchemy once again and it's always between a fire sign and an air sign so in the case of Pisces, it's in between Aries and Aquarius. Now, this is so because when we look at the Hebrew and when we look at the Sefer Yetzirah, we'll see that there are three mothers, three mems, and these three mems are fire, air, and water. And these three mems, you know, basically become the basis of material existence. This is the Holy Trinity. Just to show you guys metaphysically, once again, what an arc is, A-R-C, A-R-C, this is the measure of the amount of space a particular section of the circle takes up. So when we have a circle, just like how we have a zodiac, if I wanted to calculate the arc of, let's say, Aries, you know, I would, there would be a very specific way for me to add that up. So all I have to do to, to get that number, there's two ways to do it. I can do 2 pi r, which is 2 times pi times the, the radius of the arc. And that'll give me the arc length. Or I can take the arc length and divide it by 360 degrees. So if I wanted to get the arc of one of these, there's 12 here, right? I would have to convert that to radians and then divided by 360. So as we know, um, each piece of the zodiac wheel, because there's 12 signs, another way we can look at it is each part of the, of the pie has a certain arc, right? When you cut a piece of pie, um, the way that you cut it is what's gonna determine what the arc is because you're gonna take a certain amount based on how much pie um, you pick. So here we go. Once again, positive, negative, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive. These are the two of every animal right here. Remember, zodiac comes from the Greek word zodiaca. So <clears throat> each element is governed by an animal and each zodiac sign is governed by an animal. Pisces is governed by fish, for example. OK, so everything goes back to alchemy at the end of the day and metaphysically it goes back to math being able to measure um, degrees and circles all right and we're going to get into degrees in a second
but for now without going too deep um, there are many different geometrical meanings of these numbers and that's why the story is very specific about 40 days and 40 nights so keep that in mind so let's move on to the letter mem okay the letter mem is the 13th letter of the hebrew alphabet the number 13 okay represents death okay metaphysically metaphysical death isn't you know actual death itself but transformation so as we discussed before we're talking about alchemy we're talking about change and the number of the christ is the number 13. we have the 12 disciples and then we have christ which is the number 13. um and also mem has a numerical value of 40. therefore the origin of the term 40 days and 40 nights it has a numerical value of 40 and it represents water it is thought to come from the ancient Egyptian hieroglyph for water, Nun. Okay, which is also a letter in the Hebrew. All right, so we have two ways to write this Hebrew letter. One is open, one is closed. So the, the mem represents the womb, okay? Water represents the womb, rekim. In, in comedic language, rek means to know, okay? And M is usually a owl, which represents wisdom because owls can usually see in the dark. So the ability to see in the darkness, the ability to know. Okay, this is what we're talking about. The closed mem to the right represents the nine months when the womb is closed. The open mem represents the period of childbirth when the womb is open. So the open mem is never used at the end of a word. The closed mem, the one on the right, is only used at the end of a word, okay? So this womb that we are talking about, we are talking metaphysically the womb of matter, the womb of creation, the cosmic womb, and uh, physically it manifests as a physical womb, okay? Also, the, word, the Hebrew word for water is mayim. And if we go back to Genesis... We look at Genesis 1 and 2. It talks about how the spirit of God moved over the face of the waters and separated them, separated the waters from the waters and divided the waters which were up top from the waters below as above. So below God gathered the waters. OK, so this is talking about um, the separation of the elements separating the elements into uh, more and more refined properties of hydrogen okay and that is how the waters above the water cycle the clouds the atmosphere and the sun you know they're technically separated from us down here on earth even though it's all basically the same thing now this is from the Sefer Yetzirah 1 verse 1 it says, with 32 wondrous paths of wisdom, Chokma, engraved Yah, the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the living God, King of the universe, almighty God, merciful and gracious, high and exalted, dwelling in eternity, whose name is holy. And he created his universe with three books, with text, Sefer, 
with number sapphire and with communication support okay so the important thing to pay attention to here is the 32 paths of wisdom of chokma so there's 32 paths in chokma and this is how the universe was created so once again the universe didn't just come you know out of you know somebody just coming up with a, a bunch of random ideas it's all based on very specific principles and numbers okay and there's 32 paths why is it using 32 paths okay because water okay freezes at 32 degrees once you hit 33 degrees water will start to melt and change forms right so we are again talking about something alchemic alchemical how water um hydrogen <clears throat> hydrogen um has different properties at different temperatures okay and he created the universe with three books right we used text number and communication so just wanted to show you guys that the secrets of god ratzayel is contained in chokma okay and um it has to do with wisdom again gaining wisdom the personification of wisdom remember moses was educated in all the wisdom of the egyptians okay so um we will talk about <clears throat> chokma some more in another video but uh it's sufficient now to say that uh chokma has to do with you know basically transcending material existence and learning the true essence of what matter and the entire universe is based on okay and then we also shall see that the reason that the flood happened is because men did not want to obtain wisdom okay now um, with that being said another important verse that i just want to point out very briefly um is that Sefer Yetzirah, chapter 6, verse 1, talks about the, the three fathers. Okay, remember, I told you guys at the beginning that there's three fathers, right? Also, there's three mothers. So, remember that we are talking metaphysically and that the three sons of Noah, who became the fathers, right, of everyone on earth after the flood, they, these are metaphysical things and so the Sefer Yetzirah is breaking that down for us and it's saying three are the fathers and their offspring okay three are the fathers and their offspring seven are the planets and their hosts and twelve are the diagonal boundaries and the proof of this the true witnesses are the universe the year and the soul he decreed twelve 10 7 and 3 and he appointed them in telly the cycle and the heart okay so 10 7 and 3 that is 20 plus 12 that's 32 once again and we are talking about the 22 letters of the hebrew alphabet and the 10 elements the 10 pairs of elements i should say okay so the three are fire water and breath or air fire above water below and breath the decree that decides between them 
A sign of this is that fire upholds water. Mem hums, Shin hisses, and Aleph is the decree that decides between them. Okay. So, again, um, we went over the Hebrew alphabet in another video, but just remember that the Shin in the Hebrew alphabet is fire, Aleph is air, and the Mem is water, Mayim. Okay. This is just a quick diagram to showing you the, the freezing point of water being at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, which is also zero. Okay. Moving on, um, Noah, as I stated before, is a personification of the sun, and it is also representative of the hydrogen element when it is at its most basic electrical level. So this is the format of how everything in the universe got created from atoms and electrons. So this electron is um, level one, right? And each level of the hydrogen when we add more and more electrons, we have to go up another level. Therefore, that is how we get solar systems. Okay, so what we're talking about is the creation of solar systems. Now, in alchemy, there are three base materials. We have sulfur, okay, which is what gives the planet Venus that orange-yellow color. Okay, this is also what comes out of volcanoes. We have mercury, okay? Mercury is the fluid that they put inside thermometers to measure heat, okay? And it's also the name of the planet Mercury, the closest planet to the sun. And then we have salt, okay? Salt represents condensation and crystals. So anybody that's into crystals or anything like that, we're talking about different salts and, and minerals. So just for now, just keep in mind that each son of Noah represents these three base principles. Once again, sulfur is the fluid that connects the high and the low, which denotes expansion, evaporation, and dissolution. Mercury represents omnipresence. Mercury was believed to transcend the liquid and solid states. So the, in, the immortality of life and salt, again, represents contraction, condensation, and crystallization. So now that we understand who Noah's three sons are, let's briefly talk about the 40 days and 40 nights. As I showed you before, the word mayim, the word waters um, in Hebrew represents um, the number 40. Okay, so because of 40, we have 40 days and 40 nights. And we also have these four elements, four plus zero equals four. So each element is given 10 days um, in the wilderness of the Kabbalah. Therefore, we get our 40 days and 40 nights. Now, what this is really saying is that we are mastering all of these different paths, these different faculties within us and transcending our lower nature. OK, and so that's why um, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and after the 40 days and 40 nights, Moses uh, was at the top of Mount Sinai and then he received the Torah. Right. So the wisdom getting to Chalkma and Bina, getting wisdom and understanding, that is metaphysically what that story is about. It's talking about how to get wisdom. All right. So um, each of the 10 days ruling one element corresponds to one Sephiroth or fruit from the tree of life. 
again, the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, right? Because they um, disobeyed. They couldn't have good faith that they would make it to the promised land. The promised land is Keter all the way at the top. So um, Israelites, as we discussed in the previous video, have to do with material existence. They have to do with the elemental creation of water, fire, air, and earth. Okay, and the number four represents the number of elements. Now let's talk about the story in Genesis for a moment. Um, so a lot of people, again, they have been told over and over and over again that this is a literal story, that these are literal giants, that these are literal. Everything is just literal. But I want to show you guys that if we look at the text closely, we can see that the original authors of Genesis actually had to go back and add some things and um, other books that were left out of the Bible can give us some clues. So these terms, Elohim, Nephilim, Rephaim, these three terms all refer to the same thing. They all refer to these um, these gods or if we don't want to use the word gods, they are also referred to as uh, giants. OK. Just like in the story of Greek mythology, we have the Titans. So we should look at it as these these beings that have superhuman powers, right? So Genesis 6-4, pay very close attention to Genesis 6-4, which says, the Nephilim were on the earth at that time and even afterwards when the sons of God resorted to the daughters of men. The words Sharak Khan and even afterwards intrude into the text as a gloss tacked on to harmonize the original account from Numbers 1333, which has the Nephilim living in the promised land in the days of Joshua. OK, now let me show you guys uh, uh, Numbers 1333 real quick, just for demonstration purposes. Numbers 1333, because I remember actually reading this as a Jehovah Witness, and I was like, oh, wow, the Nephilim were still around. So the, the traditional story is that God sent the flood because men and women were being wicked, and the, the giants came down to the earth and were basically causing all of this chaos, right? So here we have Numbers 1333. There we saw the giants, and the word here in Hebrew is Nephilim, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. All right. So that being said, another translation, if we want to look at the New Inter International, we saw the Nephilim there. And they're talking about the promised land. This is way after the flood. So um, now we see why. <laughs> now we see why the author of Genesis tried to go back and add that little sentence right there. The Nephilim were on earth at that time. And even afterwards, when the sons of God resorted to the daughters of men. Also, keep in mind, people, that in my previous video, I showed you guys how in many instances they will take the term 
gods, something that should be translated as gods um, in a polytheistic way, and they will translate it as sons of God instead of gods. So when the gods resorted to the daughters of men is what that should say. All right. Now, we also have another reference where we have the book of Baruch, which I also have on my YouTube channel. So if you want to look at that, just go to the Gnostic Bible playlist and you'll be able to hear that book in full. Now, the book of Baruch makes reference to the language of the Nephilim in language very reminiscent of Genesis 6, but designates the giants as ancient inhabitants of Israel who perished only through lack of wisdom. Okay, so they did not die necessarily from a flood, but from lack of wisdom, from not going to Chokma, from not getting to Chokma, from staying in the lower nature of their senses and their flesh. Okay, so let's read the verse from the book of Baruch, chapter 3, 26 through 27. It says, How great is Israel, the house of God, how wide is his domain immeasurably wide infinitely lofty in it were born the giants famous to us from antiquity immensely tall expert in war god's choice did not fall on these he did not reveal the way to knowledge to them they perished for lack of wisdom perished in their own folly okay so th this is saying that you know the giants didn't die from a flood they didn't die from some catastrophe they didn't die out because of that they literally died because god chose not to give them knowledge and therefore they could not obtain wisdom meaning that they chose themselves not to obtain wisdom right so let's also look at another important verse that ties into all of this there's a verse in psalm and there's a verse in isaiah i want you to pay very very close attention to to show you that this is all all talking about cosmology so god elohim stands in the assembly of the mighty ones gebrayim he judges among the gods elohim i have said you are gods elohim and all of you are children of elion bini elion but you shall die like adam and fall tepola derived from nepal like one of the shining ones Sharraim. So this is one of those verses in the Bible that they, they don't like to really read that much, but it does talk about how these gods are the shining ones and these gods are nothing more than stars. Okay, so the assembly of the mighty ones is the cosmos and he does say you are gods, right? And this is the Bible verse that Jesus quotes and John, I want to say it's John 10, 34 through 35 where he says, is it not written in your law that I have said you are gods, Elohim? So, um, the shining ones, right? Remember that this is all talking about cosmology. Another important verse to look at, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Now, remember the root word of Nephilim is Nepal, which is to fall. So we're talking about a falling but we're not talking about a falling, uh, a physical falling. We're talking about condensation, gravity. We're talking about hydrogen falling from its its most uh, refined form into a heavier form so that it can inhabit the material world. So it says, how did you come to fall from the heavens, day star, son of the shining one, Sahar? 
you used to think of yourself. I will climb up to the heavens and I will climb higher than the stars of El. I will set my throne. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of Zaphon. I will climb to the top of the thunderclouds. I will rival El Ayon. Now you have descended, Yarak, to Sheol, to the very bottom of the pit. Okay. So again, um, this is somebody having a conversation with a star, basically saying, how did you, how did you fall when you said you would climb up to the highest part of heaven? So again, this is all cosmology. This is all astrology. This is all metaphysical. Now, I wanted to read a couple creation myths just to show you guys that even in Africa, um, that there's there's many similarities in the story of the flood. And just to show you that it's cosmological, um, some of these tribes have even made it very clear that it's cosmological. So I'm going to read one brief story from the Yoruba tradition and one from the Ibibio tradition. It says... A god, Ifa, tired of living on earth and went to dwell in the firmament with Obatala. Without his assistant, mankind couldn't interpret the desires of the gods. And one god, Olokun, in a fit of rage, destroyed nearly everybody in a great flood. Now the Ibibio tradition says the sun and the moon are man and wife and their best friend was the flood whom they often visited. They often invited the flood to visit them, but he demurred, saying their house was too small. The sun and moon built a much larger house and the flood could no longer refuse their invitation. He arrived and asked, shall I come in? And was invited in. When the flood was knee deep in the house, he asked if he should continue coming and was again invited to do so. The flood brought many relatives, including fish and sea breasts. Soon he rose to the ceiling of the house and the sun and the moon went on to the roof. The flood kept rising, submerging the house entirely, and the sun and moon made a new home in the sky. Okay, so, um, yeah, there's many there's literally hundreds of flood stories. So um, I like these two because they're brief to the point and they acknowledge that they're cosmological. Right. So let's summarize everything we went over because there's one more major teaching we have to go over to wrap up this podcast so um the story of noah's flood noah represents the sun his three sons represent the three primary bases in alchemy sulfur salt and mercury also his three sons represent air fire and earth okay so that is why um God basically talks about destroying the whole earth and using water to do so. All right. In between each water sign, there is a fire sign and an earth sign and an air sign. Okay. So there's always three in between each water. Those are the three sons of Noah. Noah's Ark is a geometric mathematical measurement of the space that a segment of a circle basically takes up. That is the formula to calculate it two pi r or whatever the conversion is to radians divided by 360 degrees. And then we also talk about how water freezes at 
33 degrees, right? Remember? So, um, sorry, it melts at 33 degrees. It's frozen at 32. Now, let's talk about the powers of the Hebrew names. So, there are many different powers that come from using the Hebrew language. And this has long been hidden from many people because they don't know Hebrew. So there is a four letter name. There is a 33 letter name. The 33 letter name gives you the power to open the gates of prayer. The 72 letter name gives you the power of redemption. And the 216 letter name gives you the power to revive the dead. All right. So remember all creation is a condensation process. All redemption is a precipitation process. So in order to be redeemed, you have to learn the 72-letter name. Now, the 72-letter name is actually in the Bible, in the Song of the Sea, the song that Moses used um, in Exodus. Now, <clears throat> most people would never be able to decipher that there's 72 names hidden there because they don't know Hebrew for one, and there's very specific encryption methods used in the text so that if you are not familiar with that method, you would not be able to figure it out. So let's briefly look at what we call the Shimham Mafarash. Now it says here, all worlds, okay, in Kabbalah, all worlds or dimensions were created through permutations of the holy names. The root of all these names is the Tetragrammaton, the yod He Wahe. It has four letters and 12 permutations three for each letter thus from four letters we get 12 unique names from the tetragrammaton okay so there are 12 unique names each one of them representing a zodiac sign all right each of the 12 names has six additional permutations yielding a total of 72 unique names these are the 72 triads that emerge from the three consecutive verses in the book of Exodus chapter 14, 19, 20, and 21, which are reproduced here in English and Hebrew. So let's read Exodus chapter 14 and verse 19. So in English, this would be translated as, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. 20 says, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness, but it gave light by night, so that the one not come near the other all the night. 21, and Moses stretched his hand out over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry, and the waters divided. Okay? So the 72 names, they're actually names of angels. All right? So you know how in the Bible there are certain names that angels have, like Gabriel and Raphael. Those combinations are all based on these 72 names. So we take these three characters these three groups of characters, I should say, and we switch them around. So we rearrange the characters in a specific manner known as Bostrophedon. Bostrophedon is an ancient method of encryption, which appears in very early Egyptian, Minoan, and Hittite hieroglyphics. So 
once again, once we get deeper into the Bible, we start to see the evidence of where this technique came from. It came from hieroglyphics because you had to read the hieroglyphics um, left to right, up and down, vertically and horizontally. So to create the first three, you combine the first letter of the first verse, which is Vav, the last letter of the second verse, which is He, so Vav, He, and the first letter of the third verse, which is Vav, okay? So all they did was take the first letter of the first verse, the last letter of the second verse, and the first letter of the third verse. So we have Vav, He, Vav, okay? Then you combine the second letter of the first verse, which is Yod, the second to last of the second verse, which is Lamed, and the second letter of the third verse, which is Yod. The same sequence of progression is followed until all 72 names have been derived. So these are the 72 names right here. The Shimham Farash is also the three sons of Noah. Okay? So Shem and Ham... And Japheth, originally Japheth's name was different, but they, they changed it later on. But um, Shem and Ham, those names come from this tradition. Once again, alchemically, alchemically speaking. And remember that each letter in the Tetragrammaton represent one of the elements, right? So um, it has been conjectured that God, Elohim, Yahweh, used these 72 names to create the spiral universe, his 72 angels, okay? So the 72 powers of God are manifested through the tetrachries of Pythagoras. And when we do simple math here, we do geometry on each letter in the Hebrew, we get the number 72. All right? So... Here is the list of the angels. Okay, so there's an angel of the day and there's an angel of the night. We have Behuya, Jeliel, Sitael, Elamia, Mahashaya, Lilahel, Akaya, Kahatel, Aziel, Aladaya. Pay attention to this one right here for all my money people, the angels of wealth. There's one during the day, which is La Uvia, and there's one during the night, which is Ha Ha Haya. We have the angels of peace, Yesalel, Mebihel, Saro, Hariel, Hakamaya. We have La Uvia and Kaliel. We have La Uvia and Pahalaya, Nelebiao, Iel. We have Melahel. Hahuya, Nithaia, Haia, Jeratel, Sia, Reel, Ornael, Lekabel, Vasaraya, Ihuya, Lehahia, Jevakia, Menadel, Anael, Haamaya, Rehael, Isael, Hahahel, Mikael, Behuya, Ilahia, Sealia, Ariel, Asalia, Mikael, Behuel, Daniel, Hahasia, Imamia, 
Nanayo, Nitayo, Mabaya, Poyo, Nemamia, Ilayo, Harahel, Mizrael, Umabel, Ihael, Anianuel, Mihel, Danabia, Manakil, Itayo, Shabaya, Rochel, Abamia, Hael, and Mumaya. Right? And each of these principles have powers associated with them. Um, some of them protect against mental troubles. Some of them help you to live in peace. Some of them help you to acquire knowledge and cure disease. Some of them help you um, learn secrets of nature, give you wisdom. They make you capable of undertaking and accomplishing the most difficult things. Um, some of them deal with mental illness. You know, they deal with so many things. So I just wanted to show you guys really quickly, uh, once again, um, that everything here is based on astrology. So a lot of people learn their zodiac sign. They learn these different, uh, I guess you could say, titles of what signs certain planets and um, different asteroids are in. But they never really learn how to figure out how to make it empower them. How do they make it improve their life? Right. So um, even tarot for anybody that's interested in tarot. I will be doing another video on that, but for now I can show you guys right here um, that each thing in the tarot is based on the Tetragrammaton and it's based on the Zodiac and it's also tied to an angel um, in the 72-fold name. All right, so um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, if you have any questions at all, Please leave one below in the comments. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in once again to the I'm in Rod Church podcast. In the next podcast, we're going to talk about the names of God a little bit more detail. Uh, we're going to talk about how the Hebrew came from the ancient Egyptian language and maybe a couple other topics. So thank you guys for tuning in. As always, peace and love. Shalom Hotel.